0: Cindy didn't realize that her life was about to be forever altered as she traveled to the airport for the morning hours of June 5th, 2001. A single mother free, three delighted their grandmother. All that was on her mind was her well earned vacation. Until suddenly, a gallon container of salt during passage was tossed from the overheads by an unknown assailant and came crashing through the windshield spraying her glass and flesh eating liquid in a heartbeat. She was crying in agony from pain. she was burned almost beyond the limit. Initially, it was thought that this random act of violence would take Cindy's life. Not only was the acid sprayed across her face and all of her skin, she had inhaled intensive care, lots of agonizing and painful surgeries, Cindy's physical health was stabilized. Every emotional health she was Realizing that her assailant would never be caught, Cindy had become determined to reality every day. She looked her face Realizing she would never have the answers. to that forgiveness it was the first step toward her emotional so she made a decision to release the anger and the hatred that she failed. Could there be someone that you need to forgive today? It might be as trivial as someone who cuts you off on the highway. It might be something as life-altering as someone who This morning, uh, you're going to need one to follow along, and if you don't have a Bible, just go ahead and put your hand up. And our ushers are ready to give you one that you can use during the service here. And uh, if you are receiving one of those Bibles um, and you do not have a Bible of your own, please keep the one that we give you right now. That is our gift to you. This morning, we return to our series on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we've been digging into this message that Jesus spoke to his followers the first recorded message of his when he started his ministry here on earth. Uh, Last week we took a detour for a week to celebrate the ways in which God is carrying out his plans here at Chapel Hill Church, and that really was a celebration for me last week. I hope it was for you as well. Um, God is at work here in many lives and in many ways, and I've been thanking God for the baptisms that took place last Sunday, and Also, for some very positive feedback that we received from some first-time visitors that were here, Um, you did well, Chapel Hill Church, um, even before the message on hospitality. So, nicely done. Um, This church has been given a place in this world as a light in the darkness, and we're going to keep working on how brightly we shine that light that's in us, the light of Jesus Christ. Uh, two, two weeks ago, we spent some time looking again at the subject of anger and what Jesus had to say about anger's effect on our worship and on our relationships. And this morning, I want to circle back one more time to the anger issue and dig a little bit deeper into one aspect of anger that I believe needs some attention. So let's go back now to the words of Christ in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 26 and take another pass at what Jesus is teaching us about anger. This is what he said in Matthew 5, 21-26. He says, "...you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, I, Jesus Christ, say to you, that everyone who is angry with his brother, his fellow man, will be liable to judgment." Whoever insults his fellow man will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, to your fellow man, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge. And the judge should be guarding and be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Last time we looked at this passage, we saw again that Jesus was addressing the heart of his followers and not just their behavior. So he took his listeners deep into the heart behind their anger, and that's what I want to do again this morning. I mentioned last time that there were two types of negative anger, and I want to address itself in the forms of rage and resentment. Let's talk about resentment this morning. Jesus expresses concern in his words that we deal with the resentment we have towards others, and he makes it clear that any resentment that is held to is going to affect our relationships with him and our relationships with others as well. The result of us harboring resentment is going to be that, that things do not go well for both in the realm of our worship and in the realm of our relationships, and especially, he mentions, in how we manage conflict in our lives. Now, for those of you who struggle with resentment, I hope that this morning is going to be an encouragement for you. God does offer us freedom from the weight of resentment. But he also challenges us on this issue, and I will leave you with a challenge at the end of this message. I believe that we all wrestle with resentment to some degree, so be listening for anything that might be helpful to you this morning that comes out of this. Resentment is a heavy, heavy load to bear. And if you have experienced that load, you know exactly what I mean this morning. Let's look at how we can find freedom from that load, from that burden. At the very least, keep in mind that we are called by God to encourage and build each other up. message will help us all see ways that we can help each other find freedom from the burden of resentment. In the Matthew 5 passage, Jesus exhorts his listeners to be reconciled to their fellow men. He's talking about changing our minds and our hearts towards those who wrong us. We're to see them as God sees them. Jesus speaks strongly in this passage about our haste in speaking to or about someone as if they had no value, or as if the image of God in which they were created did not exist in them. Remember that study? Remember when we looked at that? Part of the change of heart and mind that he's looking for is a release of the anger that we hold towards someone else. That's resentment. That's what we're dealing with this morning. That resentment, the anger that we maintain towards someone is the result of unforgiveness. And this unforgiveness is a very common experience. The Bible makes something very clear here. Unforgiveness is a sin. So we have to treat it as a sin. Unforgiveness is more common than most sins. It is more subtle than most sins. And it is also more dangerous than most sins because of its effect on us and our relationship with God and others as well. So it's worth taking the time to talk about unforgiveness with the hope that we can find some freedom from its effect, from its weight. The video that we watched a few minutes ago um, posed a very direct and a very difficult question. Um, Who are you having a hard time forgiving? Who is it in your life that you're struggling to forgive? Are you harboring resentment towards somebody right now? this morning I encourage you to put a name on this. Put a face to it. I know it's going to make this very personal and much harder than it could be, but I want us to face the unforgiveness in our lives head on as we travel through the message this morning. God sees our hearts. He already sees it. And so let's drag that resentment out into the light and allow God to do His thing with it. Have you been hurt badly by someone Maybe you've been lied to, slandered, stabbed in the back, maybe even abused. Maybe this is not even about you and what's happened to you. Maybe someone you know has been hurt and you're harboring resentment against the person who hurt the one you love. Whatever the scenario is, bring it into the light this morning. Bring it into the light. Be honest with God about the unforgiveness in your heart this morning. What's keeping you from forgiving Him? This an area in which we are very good at coming up with excuses, with reasons to not forgive. Forgiveness in God's kingdom is not optional. It's something God expects us to do. We'll look at God's instructions on forgiveness in a few minutes, and then we'll look at some perspective on unforgiveness that I think will help. But first let's put our excuses up against God's command to forgive and see how well they stand up, because we do make excuses in this area his book on anger that I mentioned um, a few weeks ago, Charles Stanley lists some of our excuses for not forgiving. And here are the ten that he identifies. Number one, he says we don't forgive because we think that the person we're angry with does not deserve to be forgiven. This is a, a characteristic of our sinful nature. We think that we understand justice better than God or that we're responsible for deciding what is just in a given situation. And so, often out of pain and anger, we withhold forgiveness based on our need for justice. Is this a legitimate reason to not forgive? No, it's not. And for a simple reason, not one of us, not one of us deserves to be forgiven. and no one can earn our forgiveness. Forgiveness is a gift, and God loves His creation so much that He believes that everyone should receive that gift of forgiveness. Number two, second excuse we don't forgive sometimes because we believe that if we don't hold on to the memory of what that person did, they'll never be held accountable for what they did. We need to return to the reality that God knows what happened person who wronged us, is up to Him. God and God alone is the judge. We'll talk more about that at the end of this message. Excuse number three is that we can't forgive until we've heard an apology. Genuine forgiveness does not expect an apology. Pride expects an apology. Jesus did not wait. that we have to let go of. It's ours. And it's a pride issue. Number four, if I forgive too easily, people will think that I'm weak. Um, Honestly, we care far too much about what other people think. We just do. God commands us to forgive and He is blessed by us when Nobody's opinion of how weak or strong we are can come close to the significance of honoring God first. And if by forgiving easily we're mocked for being like Jesus since He forgave so easily, now we're in good company. Excuse number five. Um, we think sometimes that if we forgive someone after they've abused or hurt us in some way, that they're going to take advantage of us. And so resentment. Becomes a sort of self-defense mechanism. And once again, we're back to the obedience factor. If we're obedient and do forgive, there's always strength in our obedient posture. But it's God's strength. And of course, His strength far surpasses our own. So we need to forgive and invite His strength into that situation, into our hearts where forgiveness can be worked out. Excuse number six for not loving is said, the person who hurt me clearly is not ready to receive forgiveness. They're not sorry for what they did, so my forgiveness isn't going to mean anything to them. I'll wait. I'll withhold it until they are ready. Now remember that forgiveness happens in your heart and in my heart, in our minds. It's not some agreement that we work out with someone else. It's not terms. Jesus said that we are to change our minds and our hearts towards those who need to be forgiven. Don't wait for this to be mutual in some way. Forgive. Number seven, I've partially forgiven them. I'm I'm just not all the way there yet. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm trying. Listen, there is no such thing as partial forgiveness. There isn't. We don't get to be partially obedient, so how can we be partially forgiven? God doesn't intend for our anger towards someone else to simply decrease, to lessen, it has to go away. We're to fully forgive. And I'll talk more later about how forgiveness from offense sometimes needs to happen again and again. That's different than partial forgiveness. Number eight, this excuse is the flippant, I don't feel like forgiving excuse. I've heard this one many times, maybe in my own head. Um, so what are we gaining Bitterness, an ulcer, loneliness. Forgiveness is not based on our feelings. It's not an emotional decision. It's an act of obedience that brings us freedom. It's another commandment of blessing. How can we not feel like getting that blessing? Number nine has to do with us giving up. Um, we don't forgive because we've tried it before again. Try again. Ask for God's strength to forgive. Return to the cross where Jesus forgave. He forgave so much and so thoroughly and ask God for that kind of strength to forgive. Own up to your own weakness and call out for Christ's strength to be made perfect in your weakness. Number ten, finally, we withhold forgiveness sometimes by Second guessing whether or not the other person's offense was really that bad and really needs to be forgiven. Um, don't justify another's sin. Don't do it. Forgive instead. Connect with the heart of your father and acknowledge sin for what it is. And then connecting even deeper with your father's heart, forgive that sin. There's an image that should be constantly on our minds when we think about forgiveness, it's the image of the cross. On it, Jesus bore the weight of the sins of all mankind. He was rejected by man. He was abandoned by even his closest friends. He was falsely accused. He was sentenced to the humiliation of a criminal's crucifixion. He was mocked. He was whipped. He was struck with fists and clubs. He was spit on, and he was nailed hand and foot to a wooden cross to die a degrading, painful death. Jesus didn't deserve any of those things, especially death. And as he hung there, struggling to just breathe, his heart opens, and from the deepest, truest place in him, a place that we all have, Jesus says something. had a chance to recover emotionally before anything that might have allowed him to deal with his anger first. Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Earlier I asked you to put a face to this message. Bring that person back to mind now. When you're having a hard time forgiving. As he hung on the done to you or to someone you love, Jesus was asking God to forgive them for putting Him there. He's asking us to do the same. And if you want to compare, is whatever that that, that person did to you, is, is whatever that is, is it as seriously wrong as what the Jews and Romans did to Jesus? Does it even remotely compare to the weight of the sin that Jesus bore in our place? more attention to what the ultimate forgiver did because he didn't lower the bar for us Jesus is not saying that we don't have to offer quite the level of forgiveness that he did he got paid in forgiveness he never said anywhere in his word that he'll be happy with a C from us he commands us to forgive as he forgave and he believes with confidence that we can do this Jesus knows that if we allow him into our inner being and allow him to to carry out his desire to transform our hearts, we too can forgive. So in God's word we're told things like what Paul said in Colossians 3, verses 12 and 13, where he says, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And then in Ephesians, we read this. Paul writes, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. In the Lord's Prayer, we ask God to forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. There's an assumption here that we will forgive those who hurt us or owe us in some way. there's an even deeper level of seriousness that's tied to God's command to forgive. And we'll see this later in the Sermon on the Mount as we get to it. But this is also part of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus is going to say, after what we usually quote as the Lord's Prayer, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Our decision to not forgive, to harbor resentment towards another, has significant consequences. In Luke 6, 37 and 38, Jesus makes this quite clear. He says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. The more our hearts reflect the heart of Christ, the heart that forgave, even while He was hanging on a cross, the more we will experience the heart of Jesus, and the closer we will get to Him. That's motivating, and here's the good news in all this, is strength, the strength of the one who can forgive anyone anything, is available to work in us. Don't get caught up thinking that you just need to try harder and do better at this. Go to the cross, look into the eyes of your Savior and say, God, do this in me. I want to forgive like you forgive. Take my heart and disciples came to him and asked how many times they were required to forgive someone. This is a great story from Matthew 18. Peter said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And then Peter ambitiously suggests maybe seven times. But Jesus said that forgiveness should always be available. He told Peter not seven times. Seventy-seven times. Jesus is making a statement that we will be challenged in life To not just forgive once, but possibly over and over again. We'll never reach the point where we say, I've forgiven enough. We're reminded again of something that's happened to us in the past. We're called to forgive again. We're called to release again that burden that's thrust upon us by our memories. We don't pick it up and bear it in the form of resentment. We'll find freedom from that burden by forgiving again. This brings to mind the forgive and forget concept. The reality here is that we can't just forget. The human mind is just not capable of forgetting on demand. And be nice if it was. It doesn't work. Only God can actually forget something. Aside from some sort of. Expect to just never remember what's happened once you've forgiven someone. When that memory of what they've done returns, don't convince yourself that you're a failure. Just go to God with that memory and forgive again. Forgive again. Release that person from the prison of your mind. Declare their forgiveness and move on. Maybe you'll have to forgive even more than 77 times. But you it. Forgive again. As hard as it is to seek or offer forgiveness face to face, it is a very freeing thing to do. I mentioned before that we cannot set expectations of another and thereby withhold our forgiveness until those expectations are met. We're to offer it freely, and the best way that you can do that is by communicating that forgiveness directly to someone else. In humility, we are to seek another's forgiveness, and we're also to offer you've had a hard time forgiving someone and you know you ought to just do it, I would encourage you to offer that forgiveness face-to-face. Here's why. Um, Let's let's just say that you are ready to forgive someone. That you're considering just keeping that forgiveness between you and God. Or maybe you've worked up the courage to express that forgiveness, but you've decided to do it through an email or something rather than face-to-face because you think face-to-face would be too hard for you. Think for a moment about person who's done you wrong. If the last image of that person that you have in your mind is them doing you wrong, how much harder is it going to be for you to forgive them? That'll be the last image that you have of them. And it's played over and over again in your mind. But if the last image you have in your mind of them is their face as you offered them your forgiveness, and humility, to meet with someone face to face and express to them that you have forgiven them. It's not always going to go well. It's not a guarantee. But you have done what God has asked you to do, and you will be set free. Um, I read about it, a great practical idea in, in the study that I was doing on anger. It had to do with forgiving someone who is already out of your life. They're they're gone. Maybe you've lost touch with them. Maybe they've passed away. Uh, It could be that you're still dealing with resentment towards that person. Quite often this happens in cases where someone's been harboring resentment towards their mother or father, and now that parent is gone. Uh, Sometimes it's related to someone who's moved away, but here's the idea that I read about. Um, Get alone in a room that has two chairs in it. Set up the chairs to face each other. Sit in one of those chairs and imagine the person you're angry with sitting in the other chair. Say whatever it is that needs to be said. And then confess your resentment towards them. Now you're ready to forgive. So speak words of forgiveness and release to them. Even if they're not there. Do it honestly and sincerely. Remember who it is that's witnessing this talk. And allow Him to release you from the burden of resentment that you've been carrying God will be faithful to you in this. It's not going to be weird to him. Finally, remember that God wants to bless you through your forgiveness of someone who's wronged you, and here's what that blessing might look like for you. First of all, forgiveness brings freedom. We've been talking about that. Jesus told a parable about a servant who owed a large amount of money to his master, but had that debt pardoned by his master. Jesus focused on freedom in that parable by pointing out how wrong it was for that wicked servant to not have forgiven the debt of another servant. He used the image of prison to describe what the unforgiving servant would get. We all know what that imprisonment feels like, and it's often worse for us than it is for the one that we're not forgiven. Christ died to set free wants us to experience the freedom that He offers. And He also wants us to experience the freedom that comes through forgiving, not just through being forgiven. Seek that freedom and let go of your resentment. Another blessing that comes with forgiveness is closure. Um, does that mean that we'll never again remember what happened to us? Well, I've addressed that already. The memories will be there, but so will the memory of us forgiving And if we can attach the words of Jesus, again spoken on the cross, to the memory of us forgiving, we'll find some closure. Jesus said right before he died, it is finished. None of what was done to him has been forgotten, has it? We remember that regularly here. But we also remember that the price for all the wrong in this world was paid. was done to you has also been paid in full. And forgiveness allows us to see that closed account and keep it closed in our minds and our hearts. And finally, forgiveness also brings the blessing of life. Colossians 2.13 and 14 puts the same perspective for us. It says this, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this He set aside, nailing it to the cross. What a beautiful truth. We were dead in all that we owed as a result of our sins, but Christ, through His forgiveness, has made us alive again. It's a beautiful truth. And when we offer our forgiveness to another we affirm the life giving sacrifice of Jesus Christ on our behalf and on their behalf. We connect with the heart of God, a heart bent on forgiveness. We reflect the image of God in which we were made. And in that reflection, we find life, the abundant life that we were created to experience. I want to end this message today by giving you kind of a picture to take with you. This is a picture that came to me as I was preparing for today. My prayer is that it will encourage you and also challenge you. Um, this has helped me to face the stark reality of unforgiveness, both in my own inability to forgive myself sometimes and in my ability to forgive others. And, and here's the picture that, that I want to leave with you. It has to do with what's up, what's up here. Um, this is not the witness stand. You're starting to get that we're in a courtroom here. This is not the witness stand. This is where the accused sits, okay? sits here or accused of all that he's done wrong, whatever it is that he's done wrong. God is on the throne. God is the judge. Remember that. And he is the only judge. And down here are two lawyers battling it out. And one of them is Jesus Christ. And he's our advocate. And he stands in our defense and pleads with the judge for our freedom. And over here is the prosecutor. And his name is Satan. And he wants to see us suffer. For the things that we've done. He wants to see us remain guilty and accused and condemned and regretful and full of shame. They're going at it. When we sin, this is where we find ourselves. We are guilty. Every single one of us is guilty. And so we stand here deserving punishment. But our advocate, Jesus Christ, steps into the picture. Of course, as we know it he says, never mind, he I'll take all of that on me. I will take it to the cross, and I'll deal with it forever. And he says to us, you're free. You can go. You don't have to be there anymore. And, and I know what it is from experience of the goofy traffic, lane what it is to walk out of a courtroom free. It's a beautiful feeling. It's an incredible relief. tell you, I struggle with an awful lot. sometimes. I can't lie. And I put myself back in this chair. And I disagree with Jesus. We can't disagree with Jesus. He said, he said, it's finished. It's done. He's not putting us back here. He never will. Remember that Jesus is still here, praying with the Father on our behalf, and He does not invite us. He doesn't direct us to go and sit there again and face punishment. We are free. He set me free, and I've got to agree with Him in that. This is the second thing I want you to see, right? Come and take your seat. position. <laughs> here's, here's the point that I want to make about resentment and unforgiveness in our lives. If Ryan's done something to wrong me, maybe it was in, in, in his financial peace class and he told me I need to talk to those credit cards. And I do Don't tell me i my life. <laughs> and I'm mad at him and I'm harboring resentment towards him for something that he's done to wrong me. It was much worse than that. Maybe backstabbing. Maybe whatever it is. If I'm harboring resentment towards Ryan, I am putting him back in that chair. I'm putting him back on trial. He'll follow us through to its conclusion. God's still up there on the throne. He's the judge. Jesus is still standing in his place as our defending attorney, he is our advocate and he is vowing for Ryan. Where does that put me? Is this where you want to be? We take Satan's place as prosecutor when we can't forgive someone, then we won't forgive someone, and we harbor resentment against them. Is that where you want to be? And I had to to come to reality with this. I had to physically come in this room and put myself in that place to understand that that's how serious resentment is. That's how serious God views unforgiveness. We put people back in this chair, and we take the position of prosecutor. Prosecutor. It's a isn't it? It's heavy. It stinks. Let it go. Get back. Yourself from the burden of unforgiveness today. Don't have on to it. Come to God in humility and admit and confess to Him that you're having a hard time forgiving somebody. And ask for His strength, the strength of the one who was able to forgive from the cross, to come into you and give you the strength to let that person. Ask the uh, ushers to come now and Sue if you'll come and uh, prepare for our final song here. And while they're coming, we just close your eyes and let's spend a few minutes here before they're As you focus now on God and on things that are jumping out of His Word. that your father feels your pain. How hard it must be for him to forgive all that's been done throughout history. For him to forgive what was done to his son and all his prophets. to yourself right now to the burden of unforgiveness off your back and just dropping it at the feet of the cross. Let Jesus killed it, He set you free. He set that other person free. Father, I ask that You would forgive us for, for all of those times when we have disagreed with Jesus. or someone who's wronged us or wronged someone that we love. Helps to forgive as You forgave. That's what You're calling us to. Give us the strength to forgive, to let go of of unforgiveness, to let go of resentment, to let go of whatever pain it is that's happened. Trusting You, Father, as the judge, the judge who is just, holy and perfect. Trusting in the fullness of the sacrifice that paid for our sins, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Trusting in the power and life that came through His resurrection from the dead so that we can live free. Jesus, not to stand in your way. To come to the cross, to look at the cross, to look to Jesus on the cross, and see the forgiveness in His eyes. Father, thank you for the tremendous gift that You given us by setting us free. Teach us now to free It's close to me.